everyone. Welcome to another special edition of that other Laura Ingram's video podcast. Because normally this is a regular podcast that you can listen to on Buzzsprout or Spotify if you want to. And that's, you can check out no matter what, but the video portion of this podcast is only available if you are a YouTube member, if you are a member of my YouTube channel, or if you're a patron on Patreon. So if you want to see my beautiful face on video reading this to you, um, because of what I'm going to be doing now is reading the first chapter of my book. I read the preface for free, and that is available just to see on YouTube. And as I keep going, I'm going to continue to up my production quality. But until then, it's just going to be my beautiful face until I start getting more patrons. If you want to become a patron or a member, there will be different levels um, where I will mention patrons at the end of my podcasts um and there will be other varying levels i haven't actually created the levels yet so i'm creating this video before actually having any levels to give to you right now but eventually there will be levels so thank you all for being here thank you for checking me out and again, this is that other Laura Ingram because I am not that Laura Ingram on Fox News. You know, I've been getting, before I start this reading, I have been getting on Instagram. And my Instagram is small. Like, I don't really, I'm careful who I add to my Instagram um, because I have kids, you know. It's just how it goes. I'm not. I'm not big on sharing my Instagram, you know, and giving a lot of people extra information from about me um, and my my family because I am a mom and I have kids. So uh, that said, the other day on Instagram, I was tagged, which I didn't know people could do that unless they were following me already. But the other day on Instagram, I was tagged by someone um, on a Black Lives Matter post calling out Laura Ingram. Except I'm not that Laura Ingram. I'm that other Laura Ingram. I am actually very supportive of Black Lives Matter and very much against police brutality. That's been another podcast that I've done. And so I am not... Laura Ingram with an eye on Fox News. That's not me. If you want to learn a little bit more about me, keep listening to my podcasts. Listen to this one. These book readings are definitely going to tell you a lot more than, than anything else. So here we go. We're going to go into this book reading. And like I said, the preface was free. I did the preface a couple weeks ago for free and that's going to stay on YouTube for free. Um, the production quality as I keep going is going to go up and I will get 
better recording equipment, I will get better video equipment, um, if that's what everyone desires. And eventually this book, I do intend to be published, so the proceeds will also go towards that as well. Towards publishing, towards marketing, and all of that. So, And before I go on, uh, thank you everyone for the supportive comments on my preface. That really meant a lot to me that you guys enjoyed it so much. And I'm really glad that people have liked it so far because I've worked really hard on this. And to me, this is a very important part of myself and my, my story growing up uh, as a cult survivor, uh, as one of Jehovah's Witnesses, and growing into my own and as a trans woman, this story, I think, can speak to a lot of people. There's so much going on right now as far as division in the world. And for me, like this division is something I've dealt with my whole life. For me, growing up in a fundamentalist cult and then, you know, coming out as transgender, very rigid, very conservative um, upbringing, but dealing with understanding my myself during that whole time period. And then once I did come out, um, also navigating things like the LGBT community, which can be very um, one way. And noticing all the similarities um, between the dogma of fundamentalism and the dogma of other parts of our society right now. And how I've navigated that, what I think on it, how I've grown, how I've learned to love my life and continue growing and enjoy life, being a mother, and my journey. So I really hope that this can speak to people. I know that for a few people that I have read it to, it already has. And so this is why I am putting this out there and I hope that you all will join me and help me bring this to more people. So without any further ado, chapter one, growing up as one of Jehovah's transsexuals, chapter one. I'll never forget the day I lost everyone. It was a liberating 24 hours of maniacal taunting and noiseless revelry. There was nothing but the excited tap-a-tap-tap of the keyboard as paragraphs of honesty and accusation flew into forever inside the servers at Facebook. I had never felt as alive as I watched my friend counter jump from 74 past 30 all the way to 12. That tells you a mouthful about the quality of my life before that moment. It was like an overdose. This was me coming to the surface and making waves. This was me breaking through. Cut the umbilical cord and wait for the placenta to pass. Then you can live. There was no next step. As far as I was concerned, this was the final phase of my ennui drug addiction. After this was something better. Anything was better. Tap-a-tip-tap. 
tip tap top click war drums my fingers beat out an ominous and furious rhythm it was the background music to my battleground the slaughtering of my identity and the warning to stay away i was the joker taking gotham i was the babylonians invading the temple sanctuary i was phoenix killing off everyone you loved in the x-men movie franchise nothing more climactic or anticlimactic the resolution being they made a reboot i really was killing someone after this it would be as if samuel robert brown had never existed then i could try to figure out who i was going to be click samantha engram commented on my status oh my god i have a friend that's a jehovah's witness i don't think she knows about this stuff sharing I smile at no one. Perhaps if anyone is left after this is all over, they'll laugh at my role in this conversation. For now, this is just the kind of fun a crazed person has. A person that has been on hold for too long will either get angry at the operator or start singing or talking to themselves. I don't believe in the operator anymore. The entire length of my rope is taut above me, and all that's left is to enjoy the swinging sensation before letting go. Tap, tap, tip-a-tap, tip-a-tip-a-tap, tip-a-tap-a. Facebook notifies me that John Reed responded back first. John is a friend. More than that, he's like an aloof big brother that was sent away to the Peace Corps or the military or college or something else sometime before I was born. Throughout my life, he's several times made his quiet cameos as my best friend's older brother, often highlighted with witty remarks and dramatic exits of one sort or another. Yet, John and I had never actually talked much. He was always really nice to me, and always insisted his little brother was hogging the video games and never letting me play. From the time we were little, I felt like he had my back in a roundabout sort of way. However, he had left the truth when he was a teen. So, apart from my just being a very shy person for most of my life, I also didn't say much to him because of that. You're not supposed to get too close with outsiders, and anyone that knows yet rejects the truth, you're supposed to flat out avoid. So I usually kept my communication with him at a minimum. The only reason I even spoke with him at all is because his family was like my second family, and his brother were my brother's. I just wasn't supposed to talk to him, which is a very confusing dynamic. Now I am reading John's response. It probably won't be well received. They are warned to believe that anything which could challenge their faith is a test from Satan, so she's unlikely to listen to it. The Reeds were some of the most intelligent people I'd ever known. John himself had taken every math class imaginable and was a tutor at the local college. But his father, Dalton, was a senior engineer for a dental tool and implant company. Dalton never finished college when he was younger. Instead, he started working in a factory and got married. But Dalton accomplished no small feat in teaching himself the trigonometry and science required, eventually working his way into the engineering position. 
He was always fascinated by questions, math, and logic. Jane, Dalton's wife, was a very well-spoken woman. She was somewhat quiet in nature, but it had always been obvious to me that she was gifted in words. Not speaking much can sometimes be a mark of that. When she did speak, she had a lot of wisdom in her words. You could tell she was a thinker. My best friend, James Reed, had no bridle on his tongue, but he had the same propensity for well-crafted communication that his parents both had. He had a gift for spelling and grammar and memorization. I swear he memorized Wikipedia word for word sometimes. Unlike his father and brother, math and complex logic often eluded him. But he sure knew how to make you believe he knew what he was talking about when he wanted to. I had spent the better half of my life believing he was the smartest person I knew. He just made it seem that way. I still can't understand how three out of four reads were Jehovah's Witnesses. It doesn't add up. My tap-a-tip-tapping comes to an end. Click. My message zooms through cyberspace and back to my screen. It only takes an instant. Yeah, I have to agree with John. If she's studying or a new convert, she might listen if you approach the situation delicately. Otherwise, she might even begin avoiding you, since you're now contaminated with what they call apostate thinking. Either that, or if she's really well-trained, she may try to come up with some irrational excuse and use it as a springboard to try and convert you. Although I don't think there's any worries there with you. LOL. Read what I posted above. And there's the whole point to this entire charade. Well, maybe it wasn't the whole point. Samantha had to be broken in at some juncture. It might as well be now. But the main point was that I didn't want anyone to miss out on what I had written yesterday, still in the comments at the very top of the thread. My comment allowed Sam to direct people back there. People had to see the truth and vulnerability and insanity that I had spewed into existence in my final hours. I didn't want a single fair-weather friend left. If the Jehovah's Witnesses couldn't handle this, there was no way they'd be able to handle what came next. I'd lose the few who remained then. I was sure of it. Even worldly people can't handle it most of the time. My original post included an article from The Star, a Canadian newspaper. Landmark U.S. verdict against Jehovah's Witnesses may prompt Canadian sex abuse lawsuits. It was about Candace Conti, the young woman who sued the Watchtower Corporation the legal entity of the Jehovah's Witness religion, for covering up and failing to report child abuse by members of the congregation. She won $25 million. Before this, there had been plenty of settlements between the Watchtower organization and victims of child abuse. Hush money. This was the first time a court had seen to it that the Jehovah's Witness religion be held accountable for their policies that result in the protection of pedophiles.
My commentary on the article was informative and thought-provoking, to say the least. Your donations to the worldwide work of Jehovah's Witnesses are going to paying off victims of child abuse. The Catholic Church has nothing on the abuse and secrecy of Jehovah's Witnesses. Anyone want to join me for a gamble on how long the Watchtower Corporation will last amidst the barrage of lawsuits that will follow? We'll start the bidding at $25 million. I'll give you a hint. Look for more inexplicable corporate restructuring to try and protect assets. And look for shocking disfellowshippings as well as doctrine changes. Then you will know the truth. And it really will set you free. Okay, goading is more like it. But that was the point. This was the end. My final hurrah. My life of droning nothingness compounded by crushing incongruence was finally reaching its definitive climax. This was my social lethal injection. I had been taught my whole life to avoid and mistrust worldly people. People that aren't and never have been Jehovah's Witnesses. And to only trust Jehovah's people. Active Jehovah's Witnesses. This was the culmination of that mindset. This is where it led to if you did everything for Jehovah, but he did nothing for you, including not being a real live person. That's kind of important for a relationship. I was labeled one of Jehovah's Witnesses from the time I left my mother's womb. I knew these people because most of their choices are made for them. I knew how they thought. I knew what to expect from them. I knew what fueled them. All of my closest friends were Jehovah's Witnesses. And all of my friends had the substance and fragility of a piece of paper. They existed, as I used to, in a two-dimensional world of yes and no, good and evil. The in-betweens were speculation, and speculation was discouraged. If you yourself become an in-between, you're sure to be discouraged too. The whole congregation will smile at you while their elders wait for you to sin. The snooty high-ups, the privileged, like the ministerial servants and pioneers, will gab and gossip up mountains of shit behind your back and warn new ones that you're the bad association of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 16. In the end, they'll all just be waiting for you to really slip up so they can end your confusing presence in the congregation. My friend counter was holding at 12 now. Most of it was extended family that I barely knew. Then there were other people I hadn't spent much time around, especially in the past five years or more, like John. There was a Marco Martinez and Jessica Linden and a few others. There was my dad, who I never really had much of a relationship with, ever the career man. Also my brother, Danny, who I was downright terrible to while we were growing up for acting so effeminate and for being one of the two siblings my mother actually seemed to like. I was always the problem child and the black sheep. 
He wasn't supposed to be like me. I just wanted to toughen him up. He toughened me up instead. Then there was James. James had been one of those in-between Jehovah's Witnesses while we were growing up. But he was the one person I had always trusted. Probably because I could count on him to tell me what he was thinking and not typically regurgitate a bunch of doctrine I already knew onto my lap. That's a common practice amongst Jehovah's Witnesses when there's a problem that needs solving. When I was a teenager, we used to do it on the regular. We each took turns barfing up Bible verses and Watchtower articles that applied to the situation in question. Whoever could expel the most biblical vomit was the winner. It was the ultimate sin diet, religious bulimia. Even so, James and I had been best friends for the past 15 years. We were the same age, just a few months removed. He was the best man at my wedding, and I at his. He knew each girl I had ever possibly had a crush on. And I knew the ones he had liked since we became friends in fourth grade. He had spent just as much time at my house growing up as I did at his. He knew my whole immediate family and the bit of extended family I actually saw from time to time. And it was the same way with me for his family. He knew everything about me and all my secrets. Well, he knew most of them. There was one thing I could never get the courage to tell him, or most anyone, about myself. This is the thing Samuel Robert Brown would take to his grave tonight. Until then... James was the biggest thing keeping me plugged in. Everything else had crumbled around me. I didn't have any more scriptures to spew. I had overdosed on those a long time ago, and all I had left was to cut my ties from the rest of the junkies. All I need is to push the reset button. This time, I'll choose Duck Hunt, or anything else over Super Jehovah Brothers. I was always in the wrong castle at the wrong time. I wanted to save the princess, but you just know that the end game is Armageddon, not saving the princess. The princess is just another casualty. The princess is people like Samantha Ingram. Click. 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 This is something I heard about while I was a ministerial servant, but when you're that far into the brainwashing, you just label it as apostate and keep moving. LOL. Just like others on here, three JW friends have already unfriended and blocked me since my recent postings. People doing the same thing I used to, glossing over things, making excuses. But I figured it was about time I just said what I needed to and let those types of people go. I'd rather Samuel Robert Brown be the casualty. Facebook notifies me I have a comment from James. Well, then, here's one more, Sam. I knew that would be the last thing James would ever say to me. A six-word sentence on Facebook, and my social suicide was pretty much secured. The one person that I expected would be the hardest to push away 
had given up on me in two posts. A testament to drug abusers. The rest would be easy. Samuel Robert Brown would be dead before sunrise. Then I could finally live. I knew it would happen eventually. Goodbye, false friends. Sorry you can't bear the scrutiny of a newspaper article. LOL. Samantha made her first comment the following morning.